For your salvation and entertainment, this is Doc Strange and the Dude. Hello there and welcome once again, dear listener, to the podcast that is Doc Strange and the Dude. I'm Doc Strange. And I'm the Dude. He is. He's the Dude. Well, I hope we find you well today, dear listener. Um, wherever you are in the world uh, or in your life, I hope that things are going well for you. Uh, whether it's morning, noon or night. But we're going to specifically talk even more local than we normally do. You know we like to have a little bit of a moan and a, and a rant about what's going on in what was once Great Britain, um, the United Kingdom, which is an oxymoron nowadays. United? I don't think so. We're going to talk about something a lot closer to home, which is our city of Bristol. The wonderful city of Bristol. I've travelled all over the world. I came to Bristol. I loved it. I stayed. And uh, I think that says a lot about the place. It's cosmopolitan. It's friendly. It's artistic. You know, drum and bass, I think, started in Bristol. And I'm a drum and bass head. Always have been. Always will be. And so it was exciting for me to come to Bristol, go raving, have fun, meet people, met my wife, and here I am. Um, But Bristol's just announced something, or Bristol Council. And I'm going to pass it over to you, dude, to explain what's going on in Bristol. Everywhere in the country is on the medium level of COVID alert and that medium level has been divided into tiers now. So we have tier one, two and three and today it's been announced that Bristol is moving into tier one plus. One plus? A new special tier just for us. (laughs) Now the difference (laughs) seems to be (laughs) that we get eight Covid marshals to patrol the city centre to make sure everybody's wearing a mask. And <laughs> and uh, we get to take a little bit more local control of test and trace. And we're actually getting about three million quid uh, to back that up as well. well. A couple of days. So there is a little bit of extra money from it. So... It's that thing that we were saying before in in the last episode that the higher up the tiers you actually go, the more money you seem to get. It's like uh, you're better off. More tiers, less tiers. Um, there's going to be some focus, they say, on the age demographic of 30 to 60 year olds, because this is the group at the minute they say that they haven't got as much control of. Now, I'm not particularly surprised, given that a lot of the under 30s, They've got locked down at the university and they can't go anywhere and spread anything. And if they have, they're doing it between themselves and, you know, keeping it away from the old people. So it doesn't surprise me that Bristol's got very good figures on that demographic. Um, And moving forward, the focus, like I say, is supposed to be, well, it's people like me and you, dude. 30 to 60s. That's the new target group Mm. for improvement. I'm being targeted. Going back to the, the eight COVID marshals we get. So essentially, we've got... Eight? Eight. Eight. Eight people. <laughs> so essentially what they've done is eight, they've got... Eight people walking around in a high-vis jacket going, Oh, you, put a mask on. Yeah. Fuck off. So they've got those... They've got essentially those litter police guys <laughs> to change the colour of the high-vis and instead of telling you off for dropping a cigarette end, they're going to tell you tell you off and fine you for not wearing a mask. Right. And how do you get this job just by... Being, uh... <laughs> Who wants that job? <laughs> a friendless dick who just hates people and doesn't mind getting thumped every now and again. Just like, and I hate to say this, did you see that there's some guy 
thumped a nurse I did. on Shocking. the London Underground and fractured their eye socket uh, just because they asked him to put a mask on. And there's a picture circulating uh, social media of this young guy who I don't know any more details than what I've just said. But I don't think there is any more details than what you've just said. Similarly, there's, you know, there's I've seen posts this week of. Uh, pictures where people have been stealing bicycles and motorbikes from the car parks of hospitals and so staff are doing the shift coming out and they can't go home because someone's dicked the bike i mean it's lowest of the low isn't it really yeah it really is sorry dear listener i hope you don't mind me swearing but i think i think we can agree what kind of people would do such a thing and you know if if that's a a son or, or a husband or a boyfriend and I'm presuming it's guys that do that because, well, let's face it, generally guys are assholes. Or rather, assholes are usually guys, I should say. Not all guys are assholes. Um, stealing someone's bike that works for the NHS. Somebody who's not only saving lives but saving the environment. What kind yeah. of a scum? But let's go back to the let's go back to the uh, COVID tears for a second. So this yeah. is a local initiative it's a local initiative it's not a national thing so we can't actually blame boris and everybody else for coming up with something ridiculous this is a ridiculously you know local decision and actually uh this evening there was a zoom meeting that happened uh hosted by thangham debonair and she had a couple of different experts on to discuss the city's approach to covid and this was just because she's got the best name the best name in politics. This was just after the story had broken, and one of the guests on that Zoom meeting was Christina Gray, who is Bristol's Director of Public Health. Right. She revealed in this Zoom that there was a meeting of officials discussing the fact that Bristol was at Tier 1, mm-hmm. and we would like to say, you know, see if there was anything else we could do to avoid moving into tier two. And Christina Gray, just talking off the top of her head, not planning anything, says, well, you know, we should make some sort of tier one plus effort of, you know, by doing this, this and this. She said, and they ran with it like I'd created a project called tier one plus and all of a sudden any extra little thing we could say we were doing were all fun falling under this banner so that we could locally say we've got tier one plus so it's a load of bollocks basically we are still in tier one legally legally speaking we're still in tier one i said that to the wife i said we're in we're in tier one now and i didn't get the plus bit and my wife said but we're already in tier one and i thought well Maybe we weren't, because I, I don't quite know what the tiers are, to be honest. Um, can you can you explain? Because I'm not sure. Yeah, so on the uh, tier one that we've got, that essentially means um, that you've got rule of six and that you uh, have a 10pm curfew on pubs in the UK. But that's essentially right. that's essentially the difference. Right. So then on tier two, tier two is that you're looking it up, aren't you? No, no, no. On tier on tier two, um, that's when you're not allowed to mix like households. Yeah. Uh, indoors. And then when you go up to tier three, you can't mix indoors or outdoors and all pubs and, and bars are closed. 
right. tier one curfew, tier two, um, and I think even the tier one cur- it actually is is the same as tier two in that pubs can still open, but they've got to do things like table service. Well, they do anyway. Yeah, but you can't like queue up at the bar for any of the tiers now because we're at medium. Well, well you can't, can you? Not none of the none of the. Um, well, to be honest, I've been to restaurant uh, bars, so I've not been to a bar where there's no. Um, where there's no food, and I've only gone because they've had some kind of an offer on, and it's been dead in there. And uh, every now and again, I'll go, well, I can spend a fiver. Even in a normal pub, though, like that you would normally just walk up to the bar, stand at the bar, whatever, you can't do that anymore. You have to sit at a table and, and be served. Because we're at the medium before we get to the tiers. Do you see what I mean? There's low, medium, high, and then within medium, there's the three tiers. So even though France, France... And Germany have just announced that they're going into national lockdown. We're still fucking about with tears. Yeah, we're applying sticking plasters to an amputated limb. Yeah, we already know the people, the people that have got COVID now, are the ones that are going to die before we do anything else. Yeah, and and I saw a, another post today. Some some politician up north, some nobody, some councillor or whatever saying um it's all a hoax i'm sick of hearing this it's all a hoax and until my one of my friends family or someone i know gets it and dies i'm not going to take it seriously wow well that's just bizarre it's it's literally like saying i don't believe in murder i don't think anyone's been murdered and until a friend of mine or a relative gets murdered i'm not going to believe in it it's just mental well, Trump earlier on today claimed that in his list of achievements of his first term of presidency, he's got cured COVID in there. <laughs> he thinks it's all over. Oh, it's unbelievable. He left. He left all his. He left all his fans outside in the cold last night, didn't he? The, um, in Omaha, two thousand of them freezing. Yeah, nice of him. Lots of people put in hospital with uh, hypothermia from that. Not a way to treat your supporters. In terms of our approach, um, it looks like the Operation Moonshot is going to start turning its wheels uh, very soon. The £100 billion Operation Moonshot? £100 billion, yeah. And they want to have 10 million tests a day. Yeah, well, they wasted £12 billion on Circo Test and Trace, which didn't work because of, well, we found out today, and there's going to be a big press release tomorrow as well. Uh, we found out that they've been employing 18-year-old kids um, and they've ranked them up as level two consultants um, after a four-hour training video. Um, yeah. And they are actually t- speaking to people with COVID and making life and death decisions. And it's not the 18-year-old's uh, fault that they're in the position that we're in. They had no choice. Um, their, their money's not been raised. Apparently, they were promised 17 to £26 an hour and they're getting 650 to £8.75 an hour. And um, I know somebody that was actually doing it and she stopped doing it because uh, she's a nervous wreck. She's not a friend of mine, but she's a, uh, one of my wife's friends. It's her daughter. And um, okay. she was getting really depressed because she's speaking to people who were talking about, you know, killing themselves. Like I've got COVID, I'm gonna die. I don't want to. I don't want to have a long, painful death. I'm just gonna kill myself now. And and 
18-year-olds aren't equipped to deal with... Well, nobody, even if you were 13, you've not been no. trained properly medically. You're not you're not prepared for that. I don't think... I'm in my 50s. I could, I'm not prepared to deal with people who are talking about chopping themselves because they, they're frightened they're not going to be able to look after the children. And It's just a bizarre state of affairs. So this Operation Moonshot's going to cost five times more... No, sorry, not five times more. Eight times more... Um, yeah. Is it going to be effective or is it going to be another waste of money? Well, I mean, just going back to what you're saying there about the call centres, I mean, this it, the problem with it is it's taking a commercial model and trying to apply that to a health issue. So this is something that I've seen certainly over the last decade in my time working in retail and the advancement of companies using call centres to outsource customer service. So all of a sudden, those skills that I'd had a lifetime developing face-to-face -face with people, providing valuable customer service and understanding interaction with people, was farmed out to unqualified teenagers in a call centre to just yes, no, and play by the playbook and play by the script that you've got and remove all of the human element out of it. And it's the same thing. is By, by giving the contract to a commercial company rather than the local NHS expertise of people that are trained in, as you say, having conversations about sensitive topics, medical topics with people that need expertise. Instead, you've just got people with a script in front of them and a checkbox of, of responses that they need. Now, I get that in a climate, you need to be, this climate, you need to be efficient and you need to try and get results as quickly as you can or whatever, but you can't lose sight of the human being at the end of it because we're not numbers. We're not just cases, we are people, we are citizens of this country and we have value and the government has a right as as responsibilities to protect us and to, and to do right by us. And you can't just outsource us like we're a broadband connection or a you know, or a gas account. We need we need qualified attention. Yeah, I I called my doctor yesterday morning because I've been having chest problems. Like I said, I had or I think I had COVID in December and January. And uh, I've been struggling all year. And on and off, my chest is good and bad. I go through uh, different phases. And um, at the beginning, we didn't know that it was COVID. We still don't know. I had a test like four months later, no antibodies. Spoke to the doctor and said, yeah, well, they wouldn't show up anyway. I think I had it. We don't know because there was no testing or anything. Um, and so the last week... Uh, maybe maybe just over a week, I've noticed that my running, uh, I go out for a run, and the, the most I've run so far is just just shy of five miles. Um, the last run I did, I think it was Sunday, I must have stopped 30 times to catch my breath. Uh, and that's not a good sign. And so oh. I, 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 rang the, um, I rang the doctor and I was struggling. And I've got one of these peak flow meters that you blow into to see what your um, lung capacity is. And I know that um, January, uh, sorry, December, uh, it was like uh, 575, 600 milliliters when you blow into it. And this morning, uh, so, uh, sorry, yesterday morning, it was, it was 425 milliliters. Um, so I, I called the doctor and they, they rang back. And we had a chat, and this is the thing. This is the difference between talking to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and connects with 
the you know the caller their patient and can ask the right questions and can get to the the nitty-gritty now if she was just reading out a, a, a script she might not have got the answers that she needed or I, I might not have been able to answer them because it might not have been completely relevant what I was asking if, if you know what I mean so luckily I'm speaking to the doctor and she recommended that I had some steroids and she gave me three-day course of steroids and this is the kind of stuff that you give to people who are uh, they've got cancer or they've got um I I had the same thing after I had my surgery yeah so I, I got prednisolone and uh yeah I was told, you know, take eight tablets in the morning. She said, you don't want to take them late on at night because you might not be able to sleep. Well, I'll tell you, I've been I've been a little bit weird all day. But by about four o'clock this afternoon, I had a good cough, cleared my lungs, and I used my peak floor meter. And from this morning, before I took the tablets, my lung capacity was 350 mil. And at four o'clock, it was 500 and I That's and great. I've got two more days to take the tablets, and I am so grateful. I'm so grateful to the NHS and everything they do, to my doctors, to, to the fact that we've got prescriptions. I mean, I I pay uh, for a certificate, prepayment certificate, um, and so that I can get my um, my medicines a bit cheaper. Um, you know, it's it's an absolute lifesaver. I saw my health going right downhill, and I was trying not to panic. And here I am, I'm like, oh my God, it was not that I was in pain, I was just out of breath all the time. And now, I feel really good, it's amazing. So, I'd like to thank my doctor for being blooming awesome, and the NHS and my pharmacist, and um, yeah, talking to people who know what they're talking about, and that's the thing. Do you want to speak to a professional, or just want to speak to somebody who's got a job they're answering, you know, they're, they're asking a few questions and they've got no other field of view. They've got no experience. Uh, I'm not having a go at young people because, you know, you, you need a job, uh, but they're not they're not the right people to be doing this at all. And they know that as well. And, and this is why I think on this Bristol episode that we're doing, um, you know, we can take the chance to highlight the fact that the Bristol and Cotswold 3.5% movement that we you know participate in we very much focus on working towards the importance of the nhs and saving the nhs from being stripped and sold off by these you know tory crooks that we've got at the minute in and i think this this is a reason why we need to question this 100 billion pound spending on this moonshot idea because as you mentioned we've already spent 12 billion on it and it's not working and now they want to spend eight times as much, again, with no evidence that they know anything what they're doing. Now, to put that that money in context, even the 12 billion that they've already spent, the annual budget for buildings and properties and maintenance of hospitals is 7 billion. So all them crumbling hospitals that we've got right now We've just blown almost double two years worth of budget on for an app that doesn't work. What happened to the promise of Brexit of 350 million quid a week for the NHS? Where's all that money going? Because it's not going to the NHS. It's going straight into Serco's pocket. For all the trees as May talking about, there are no magic money trees. They all seem to be planted in Serco's car park and it's time we went and dug them up. A lot of people don't, still don't know who Serco are. You know they're they're a 
a private company that runs prisons, uh, runs um, uh, customs. You know, they have customs officers. Uh, they they do yeah. lots of outsourcing. Stuff. Yeah, immigration. That's it. Again, my brain's gone. I'm, it's the tablets. I'm blaming the tablets. Um, <laughs> I'm thankful for the tablets, but I'm blaming them. You know, there, there's lots of side effects, and hopefully uh, none of them will come to pass. Um, but um, yeah, they they they're just in it for the money. I mean, I've always said it. You know, prisons are just a money machine. They're just a way to make money for the government. Let's face it. If you let, let let's go down quickly down the paranoid route that I used things I used to talk about. It's not paranoia, dude. No, no, no. I was led to believe that I was paranoid. So in my teenage years, the sort of things that I'd talk about, I'd have a toot with somebody and we'd be chatting. And I always used to say that um, that we're pretty much like ants, right? We're, we're ants. We're, we're working, 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 working. We try to work as a team, but there's always somebody just sat on their ass. And that person or those people sat on their ass are the ones inside... The, the the I don't know what you call it the hive or the nest or whatever, and it, unlike ants who who do work as a team, what we get is we get a lot of people that were skivers, a lot of people that are making money out of us working as hard as we could. Now it's really simplistic, but I used to imagine standing back, like like looking over the earth and seeing all these people working, working, working. And then pretty much like Google Earth and zooming in and, and then finding palaces or mansions or and, and they'd always and there'd be people working around it. But there'd always be somebody, one or two people, maybe a husband, a wife or whatever, and their kids who would be doing nothing. They'd be having everything. And when you looked at it, everybody was working, working, just so that these people could not work and could get, could get everything that they wanted. Right now. This is really simplified, but imagine now you've got people like the kids today. Um, they're not getting their free school meals. They've, they've voted against that. And we all know you kids need food, right? We all need food, but kids need food to learn. If they're not eating, they're not learning. said this before. Now, if you've got a load of kids that are struggling and suffering and having a really shitty childhood, they're going to do things that are probably against the law. They're going to steal, right? They're going to take chances that they wouldn't normally take. They're going to be rebellious. They're going to grow up to hate the system, right? They're going to grow up to believe that people that are doing well are, are, are against them. Like, you know, you're going to see anybody that's got a nice car or somebody who's got their own little private business or whatever. They're going to want to take from them because they believe it's owed to them. And they're not going to focus. And I'm not saying all like like this. I wasn't, but I, I you know, I used to be a tea leaf in me in my youth. But um, I knew a lot of my friends would would quite easily go down the criminality route, easy peasy. Well, the way I see it is, this is encouraged. It's encouraged by the government because they want you to they want you to break the law. They want you to be somebody who gets put away and gets put in prison because that's where they're making the money because you've got the government, you've got the people in government who've got friends that own businesses who run these uh, institutions and they're making a fucking killing. Well, this is what I've mentioned to you before, Bud, about saying the documentary on Netflix called The 13th, which highlights exactly that system within America. And you can see 
that system is being imported to the United Kingdom. That's one of the imports they're going to come, that's going to come across with Brexit. The idea that you build these supermax prisons and then you outsource responsibility. Now, we've already seen it through Serco, and what happens is... And it's slave labour. You've got profit margins, so where can you squeeze that mo- those margins? So they're gonna, it's going to be safety, so that's either you reduce the number of guards or you reduce the quality and the training of the guards to save money there, or you pack them in, which means you're giving no rehabilitation and you're not solving the problem of crime that prison is supposed to do to give someone a chance to serve the time but better themselves and rejoin society you're more likely to radicalize people within them and actually make them a bigger problem for when they come out because they have to join gangs for safety and you also try and save money by squeezing the food budget so they come out malnourished and they're bitter again they're, they're the have-nots because that you're literally feeding them mm. gruel so again mm. you're causing then you know, more likelihood of violent outbreaks and so forth because people will only live like pigs and dogs for so long before they go, you know what, I'm not a number, I'm a man, you know, the prisoner style and rise up. Yeah. This is a a real danger that Brexit's bringing on the horizon. And I strong, I've said it before, but I strongly, strongly recommend people watch that 13th on Netflix because it's a real eye-opener as to what's coming to the UK. We don't want to be bringing up a lot of kids that are bitter and twisted and if people are coming out of prison they're coming out with skills they never had when they went in right the you know prisons are, are, are it's not not i'm not going to say a breeding ground it's a it's a like a, a university for criminality and you can come out of prison knowing more about being a criminal than when you went in um and for a lot of people that's a lifestyle you know and you can come out and and it's not good. It's if if somebody's broke the law genuinely, you know, not for not for just like possession or, you know, a driving offence. You know, as long as nobody's been killed or whatever, they, you know, they, they'll 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 put you in prison for anything. Whereas in America, you know, if you're black, you you know you've got like I don't know fifty times more chance of getting put in prison for a misdemeanor or for some negligible thing that you've done just because you can't get representation or you you know you it, it, it's completely fixed and then once they're in there what are they doing they're making number plates and you know just they're doing crappy jobs you've seen them in the old movies when they used to break rocks and what have you that's that still happens you know that's exactly what's happening i think a point an important point of that is representation and that a big part of the american system is the plea deal so they say, look, you know, if you take a year in, say you did it and take a year in prison now, that's what you'll get. Whereas if we go to court, you'll get 10 years. So people go, well, up, oh, okay, I won't take the chance then. I'll, I'll, I'll take the one year, even though they didn't do it. Even though they're innocent. Yeah. And that's a, pro- a really big problem that is on the increase in the UK as well, because the government has mm-hmm. stripped out legal aid. They've not put the funding in to keep courts open that... Actually, there's massive, massive waiting lists for trials to be heard at the minute. We've got like two or three years waiting lists for things yeah. like for things and like the, rape trials, really serious yeah. crimes. And during that time, yeah. the person that's accused of that crime isn't in jail waiting for that trial necessarily. They're probably out on bail, not even on a tag. And they're, mm. you know, and they're awaiting trial for very, very... Well, 
for that's one example, but not not just just that person either. You know, I mean, in general, like I say, because there if are you're such long, huge any normal rape. person, yeah, any normal person that would be accused of rape, um, well, straight away they'd lose the job. Um, you know, they they would become a pariah, uh, whether they were guilty or innocent. But yeah, it seems if you're a Tory MP, you can still do the job you've you've got and you can still vote by a proxy and well you're not supposed to be allowed to vote by proxy under those circumstances it's not a reason that you're allowed to and yet uh a certain tory and MP... that's not saying that's not saying that tory mp's guilty no no we're saying you know they, they've, they've been suspected or they've been accused of you know i'm not saying anyone's guilty but you know they should have been said right you don't have to do your job you know pay them if you must you know yeah but this shouldn't be working should they yeah you certainly you don't keep your right to chain to have influence over the laws of this country you certainly don't deserve the right to vote to starve children no you don't and and we know that particular person we're talking about did did vote for that yeah but of course we're not mentioning any names either uh, because we don't want to be getting into trouble because we would <laughs> we'd probably get into more trouble mentioning that person's name than the actual person who may have actually raped somebody it's like there was a guy um i wish i could remember his name that was suspended on a sexual assault charge uh is it michael uh, i want to say michael elphick but that's the guy from Boone. don't say that right. that's the guy from don't boone isn't it? it uh yeah don't say that uh but he was suspended. Theresa May restored his place so that she he could vote on the leadership thing for her. And then afterwards, he was found guilty. Guilty. His name is actually Michael Elphick. There you go. It's just spelt differently to the actor. Was it? Uh, yeah, guilty of sexual assault. And yet he was allowed to vote in the leadership election for this country that you and I weren't allowed to vote on. No, if, and if that's the other thing. Uh, I don't know about this country, but... Um, if you're a felon in the US, you lose all rights to vote. Yeah. So so maybe they're just, you know, putting people away so that they've got less people that would vote against them. I don't know if that was the case, but... Um, some good news for this week. Oh, yeah, go on. They've found water on the moon. They have, yes. Now... 12 ounce per square metre. Yeah, what I thought was really interesting. I don't know why they're mixing measurements there. <laughs> What I thought was really interesting was the, they said that on the first scan of it, it's these water molecules are so far apart that they can't freeze, and that it's so it's not puddles or anything. That it's molecules, but they're really far apart. But the spacing between them on the first passing made it look like the moon was covered in drain cleaner because it was the same, um, you know, chemical makeup as drain cleaner because yeah, Formula. because of the spacing, and then they realised. Oh no, it's just water molecules, but they're just really far apart. So uh, I think all the... Uh, well, maybe they should bring some of it down here and clean out all the shit that's in government. Well, this is the thing, though. That started off a massive part of one of the QAnon crazy theories because I've had it quoted to me by a couple of, you know, conspiracy nutters that... There's a big plan to move to a moon base. All the rich are going to move to a moon base uh, because they've discovered a new rocket fuel that will allow them to then move from the moon to another planet somewhere they've discovered that they can 
repopulate planet X somewhere or other. And they're going to take loads of little kids with them, are they? And it was all on the back of them saying that there was this super fuel had been discovered on the moon because they thought these water molecules was drain cleaner. Well, the fact is all you need is water to make fuel because once you're in space, uh, you can use ionisation to propel your your craft. You don't need... Mm the fuel that we've got to leave the gravity of the earth you know leaving the atmosphere uses enormous amounts of power um but once you're on the moon you know that's like a tenth of the power that you need to 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 take off and once you're in space because there's no friction and there's it's a vacuum your your speed can build exponentially over time so you know you can start off with a a short blast of ionized water or vapor uh, and that will send your your spacecraft going forward and they can also use solar sails as well but you can't do that to leave the earth you've got to go out there and build it and the exciting thing about finding water on the moon is that they don't need to take water with them when we leave leave the earth which means they can take more equipment more food that might need to be um i was going to say pasteurized what's the what's the word when you add water um, hydrated to to rehydrate they got to yeah they got to rehydrate it yeah um so yeah that's interesting and we we could in our lifetimes have a moon base alpha bit of hope to end the podcast this week on that note um being positive for once but you know i am positive about the future it might not be our future but there is going to be one. Uh, all we've got to do is stop overspending, stop overusing, start recycling. Uh, I'm not a vegetarian, but, you know, it, I think now would be a great time, especially with Brexit. I think uh, I'm going to be eating a lot more vegetables. Um, and let's see if we can let's see if we can move forward as a human race. Uh, that's it. Thanks very much for listening uh, to Doc Strange and the Dude. You can find us online at Doc Strange uh, on Twitter or at Holy Mole and similarly on Kofi.com. It's Kofi.com slash Holy Mole. And I'm I'm a bit of a ponce. You can get me on Kofi. Just go to the website Chris Doc Strange dot co dot uk. Chris Doc Strange dot co dot uk takes you to my Kofi page. If you'd like to buy some stickers, the three point five percent stickers are on there. Uh, if you'd like to buy my book, A Strange Way to Stage Hypnosis, that's on there. Uh, the difference between buying it from me or Amazon is I'm more expensive and I sign it, whereas Amazon, if you're a Prime member, you get it delivered next day. Uh, sorry, within four days, but it's not signed. So that's me being honest again. Um, but uh, yeah, support us, please, because we're not working. We could do with the money, and uh, you know we're here for you. And you've probably noticed we don't have advertisers. We don't no. have any adverts. Just spoiling our ramblings. It's just honest to goodness, us. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, look after yourself. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And um, yeah, I'm not going to worry too much about it. I think I think if we're all sensible, we all follow the the obvious rules, which are you know wash your hands wear a mask, social distancing, you know, just do what you've been doing for the last nine months and I think we'll be fine. Um, Yeah, love yourself. Bye for now. Bye for now. Stay
you need clarity in a world gone mad, you can tweet at Chris Doc Strange or at Holy Mole. Doc Strange and the Dude is a Strange Mole production.